Hi, everyone, and welcome to the next episode of One Mic Night, the podcast that brings you stories of artists and people and their life, hoping to inspire you on their journey and motivate you in the business. My name is Marco Luis, and thank you all for joining me on this journey of One Mic Night. If you like the episodes, please make sure you go to your favorite place where you download podcasts, subscribe, because you don't want to miss any of these episodes. Also, share them, share them, share them. I'm only one man with a lot of stories. I'm really excited today because my guest is an international recording star. She's a singer, she's a songwriter, and she's a phenomenal woman. Please welcome Carlene Graham to the show. Hi, Carlene. Hi, Marcus. How Thank you, you so doing? much, darling. Oh, man. Thank Good you. For, Thank you for coming on One Mike Night Podcast. Oh, so, it's a pleasure. First off, I, I want to know, where, where are you right now? I am in Spain. I live in Spain with my, my parents and my son, and we are in Almeria, Spain. Almeria, Spain. Wow. Yes. How, how did you get to Spain? What, what's, how did that happen? <laughs> <laughs> well, as you know, before I was residing in Newark, New Jersey. Right. And, yeah. um, that was an incredible few years of my life. And then shortly after, I was in um, London, which is where I'm from for, for a very short time. And my parents said, you know, my parents have been over here in Spain for 15 years. They decided to move from London some years ago and, and start life anew. And they said to me, you know, they invited my son and I to come over and just experience slowing down in life a little bit and, and, and living over here. So 10 years ago, I made that move and um, I haven't looked back. You know? Wow. 10 years? Ten Has years. it been ten years? In ten years, Marcus. It's Jeez. absolutely crazy. I know. So, what's that been like for you there? I know Spain has gone through a hard time with the uh, pandemic situation. Is it getting sure. any better? Yes, I mean it's um, the, obviously the whole world has been affected mm -hmm. um, greatly by this. Um, living in Spain um, in general has been a dream. It really has. It's enabled me to slow all the way down and appreciate life on a on a different. Uh, level again right. I find myself and, and you know just get back to me so that's been wonderful um, and in regards to this year and, and COVID and everything we went into lockdown very early we were in second week of March is when it started for us you know so um, generally speaking I think that the way that this country has dealt with with COVID and, and, and the stages it's been trying for everybody but it's been really really good you know, that's, right. That's good because, you know, obviously that saves a lot of lives and puts, you know, people in a safe place. Sure. And we unfortunately here in the U.S., we went we are still going through a hard time. As you know, our president just contracted, you know, or just tested positive for it. And now today, just a few minutes ago, we're finding out that more of the his cabinet, the same thing. Yeah. Um, did that put you in a in a creative space? Oof. I think probably the, the most creative space of my life because, you know, like yourself, artist and performer and, and everything else that you do, you know, that's um, music and performance related. It's just like our industry has just been shut down overnight. Right. You know, everything that we knew to be, everything that was, is no longer, no longer as we know it. Exactly. And so I think, you know, you can either go under, which is non-optional, for all of us, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Or sort of find and create a new way of life. So literally from lockdown started, 
I've just been in a zone of music, a zone of recording, writing, recording, everything. But as you can see, my little humble abode. I see that, that's um, great. I didn't realize there was going to be so much of it on screen. Right. <laughs> but, and for, um, and for those of you who are listening and can't see the video, uh, you make sure you go to the YouTube and watch this video too. But she's got a whole studio full of stuff behind her. So she's definitely in the creative mode. Yeah, it's just, well, you know, it's, it's honestly speaking, it's our gig gear. And I say our, my father and I, we performed together and have been for some years. And uh, Okay, so <laughs> let's, okay, we're, we're going to take, let's take it back. So how, how right. did this musical journey begin? Did you start out doing music when you were young? Um, yes, oh my goodness. My first memory of music was crawling down to, we've always had a music room. I mean, this is literally just the room without gig gear in it. Wow. And we make do with what we have. That's what we do. Sure. And so as, as long as I can remember, we've always had a music room in the house. And I was about two, three years old, crawling backwards down the stairs to get to this vibe. And this vibe, all I knew was the, the way it felt. And it was my dad playing the bass. He's a bass player. And I used to crawl under the chair and fall asleep as a, as a, as a youngster. So I've always been um, around music and it's always been like a default setting for me. But when I was in my teens, when I was mm -hmm. 14, I was my dad's first student. He was teaching music technology and I learned my MIDI basics and production and, and did my course and passed. And he went off, um, I think that year, 95 it was, to Kenya. Uh, for a few weeks to do some shows and I just went into a creative mode and when he came back I had sort of half an album there and that was the first time I'd really delved into this whole music thing and liked it you know wow yeah and then singing and everything else proceeded from in school little talent shows and you know just gaining confidence along the way but I knew definitely by 16 16 17 that was my way did you have any formal training in school or was it something like some people I feel are, are really natural, you know, just born singers, like sure. you can do it. You have no formal training behind you. Sure. Was that something for you or did you have instruction too? Yeah, at the time, yeah, when I started singing, when I doubted myself incredibly. I, I didn't think I had what it, you know, takes, but I knew I loved music. And that was embedded in me. You know, like my first memories of music were Michael Jackson, Bad, Lucifer Van Dross, um, Any Love album, and Tina and George Michael, and all these sounds and feelings right. that invoked so many different energies in me. So whether or not I had it at a young age, I have no idea, but I didn't have any training or anything like that regarding vocals. When I went to college and did performing arts, you know, we had our dance teachers and right. our music teachers, but, the 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 want to do it definitely came from from a much earlier age you know interesting because i think we all want to do it now if i could if i could change hats here i think i'd probably want to be a singer more than i am an actor i mean i've been in musicals yep i've been in musicals you know singing is just not my forte everyone else in my family are singers wow i'm just not that one i'm an actor you're an actor yeah. right so that's interesting. Did you ever do musicals? Like, was was there oh, ever? Oh, yeah, I love. It. I mean, at school, we we um, I remember one um, opportunity we had my course year and I was to write a musical, and so we came up with one called Sweet to My Sweet, and it just touched on teenage life and all the peer and social issues and stuff like that. And it was a really, it was a great musical, and I think for all of us, it definitely. Um, showed ourselves that we were able and that was that was our way musical theater is something that i i love and adore 
Right. It, it's just it's just the magic mode, isn't it? It's, it's, right. It is. Whether you're watching it on the movie, I think the Wiz was yes. my first. Oh my goodness, that just right. carved my life. <laughs> You know, it's, it's funny you say that because before I moved, I moved to New York, I lived in Chicago. Before that, I lived in the Pennsylvania area. Okay. The Wiz is very specific to New York. And it wasn't until I moved to New York that I even understood exactly what the Wiz is. Because wow. the Wiz has so many nuances of New York City yes. that when you move here or you visit New York, you understand it completely. Right? Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I have to agree with that. It's, it's just a, it's a vibe and a it's culture. A and I, I just remember being so enthralled by that film and I used to burst into tears and not know why. And I'd be <laughs> laughing at, you know, I was just like, what is this? <laughs> but yeah, I think that's, that was the starting point, man. The Wiz right. sealed the deal for me. How did the US influence your music? I mean, we all have a perspective of what, you know, Europe is from, from, from the American point. But how, how was it being from the UK or being overseas that the US influence your music? Oh, just greatly so. I mean, there is just so many great and gifted and talented artists, period, from the USA. And obviously so many, you know, uh, bigger artists back in the day. I mean, I'm going from childhood now all the way through. There's always been such a, a, a great influx of American influence on radio, television, movies. Everything was American, you know, or almost everything was American. So, yeah, in terms of like um, standards and quality, mm. and, um, how do I say, Who's some, who? ethic and stuff, you know, it just paid certain sounds. Like the, the greatest sounds I was hearing as a youngster were coming from US artists. So it definitely directly influenced me whether I realized it or not. You know, it, it's just a standard and a quality. Wow. Life, I believe, yeah, definitely. Who were so, some of your inspirations? Woo, you got an hour? Uh, yeah. <laughs> got Come on. <laughs> All right. Who am I? Oh, Let them know. Let them know. So, I love Michael Jackson. Yes. yes. Tina Turner. Of I course. I do love my rock. Um, Janis Joplin, George Michael, Fleetwood Mac, specifically Steve Nicks. Mm, yes. Um, Alana Miles, Cher, Cindy Lauper. Um, Missy Elliott, mm, Queen. Okay. Um, Janet Jackson. That's a pretty wide variety of people and groups. How does that, yeah. I just love music, man. I just believe it's um, it's there to be discovered. Right. And as soon as you think that you, um, personally speaking, as soon as I ever thought, yeah, this is it, something else would come, something right. else would come. And, it, and it's not even just like the artistry and, um, that I'm focused on either, but like the production behind it as well, you know, because the production is something that, well, it, it defines, it shouldn't because the raw, the raw talent is the raw talent, but with the right production, mm-hmm. you know, it's just another element completely for me. And I've always been interested in, in the two. So a lot of my influences is, is sound related as well, not just the artists. And I could go on for hours. That's interesting because I've never heard anybody say that. Yours is a combination of the two. Most people talk about the music and the, you know, the lyrics and, and, and just that. But yes. you're talking about a combination of both which is yeah. very, very interesting. 
I'm, it's, it's complimentary and, mm-hmm. I, and I think as well you know we know I mean, you and I from being on the stage or being right. in any kind of um, performance element how important the team is exactly you know be it be it like physical team the camera guys just everybody and like in music i think that really is the difference and i've I've been making those discoveries these last few months as well how important the production really is and there are so many times when working with my dad where i'm like yeah yeah that's it i'm happy there and my dad would be like well let's just change and it might be completely going off in another direction and i'm personal about it saying well i like it here but dad says well let's just try and see what happens if we go over here and when it does it's often a whole different dimension and and far better than where i was willing to stop you know so it's just i just feel like the craft and the art of every every small piece makes the difference overall you know right sure and it's the exploration of 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 you know doing that that makes it incredible because you never know what's going to happen and where, what you're going to stumble upon. Absolutely, right? absolutely. Open mind, you know, mm-hmm. and, um, and not being afraid to like push because if, you, if you've got it to a place where you like it, save it and you've got that. But explore, like you said, take it in other directions and see where it ends up. And it's often, often better than where, where you started, you know? Right. So I, like a lot of these artists, I mean, like taking Tina Turner. Tina Turner. She, man, this queen <laughs> took music to a different a whole level. new level. A different right. level of sound, a different level of performance, a different level of her respect that she commanded to be able to stand up in that, right. in that, you know, in rock and just tear it down as a black woman doing right. her thing. Man, I this- just, I love her. I'm so happy you said Tina Turner's name because I just saw two days ago an unreleased clip of her in rehearsal. Phenomenal, phenomenal. It was her and her backup dancers and she was you know, trying to figure out what she was gonna do on stage right before it happened. And she was in the move and she was in the groove and she was delegating what to do and how it's gonna look and how it's gonna, like this whole thing, you see the genius in her happening right there in this little clip. You have to send me that. Okay. I will. I will definitely send <laughs> you that. I've got to see that one. You'll love it. You'll love I just it. love her. I love right. her. I love. I mean, I remember when I was younger, I wasn't, um, you know, in terms of female vocal, it was Whitney Houston. You couldn't tell me anything. Right. Yes. And yes. to this day, she still holds that. You know, but when I first heard Tina, I wasn't. Um, it wasn't a vocal thing. I wasn't sure about her vocals when I was when I was young. I wasn't sure how her vocals and and everything made me feel. I just knew I loved her energy. Right. And my mum um, bought tickets to go and see her. It was at Wembley Stadium, maybe 96. And I remember being really quite on the team. And I was just like, mm, 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 mm. and I went there. And from the first lights came on to the end of the show, I had been, I went on a musical journey that I've never experienced since in my life. I love I, There were parts of the show where I was frozen I because I couldn't that. believe what was going on in front of me. I was in tears. That, that happens a lot. <laughs> <laughs> Super high in moments, yeah. And th- that lady taught me right there and then what I wanted to do. Wow. That show, yeah, that concert, that was just like, this is undeniable energy, you know, and I realised the, the power 
of music in that moment as well. I realized the power and force of music in that moment to just have everybody, everybody um, transmitting that same energy, receiving and transmitting that same energy. And I was just like, yeah. I love that. <laughs> yeah. So listen, I know you've played a lot of places. Do you have a favorite place you've played, a favorite city you've played in, where oh, you got that energy or where you gave that energy you feel like? I mean, there's been uh, so many different places. I'll break, I'll break it up. Tour in, in the touring life, um, I would have to say in the earlier days, probably one of the most magical moments was singing at Live 8 with Madonna. Mm. Because it was something that was televised in 27 countries. It was live, 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 worldwide. There was all these artists and celebrities. And, you know, I, was, I had the pleasure of singing with the London Community Gospel Choir for this particular show. And we had two rehearsals with Madonna at Air Studio. Was it Air Studio? Yeah, Air Studios. And it was just super surreal. Lisa Fisher was wow, yeah. the big choral part of Like a Prayer. And so we were just, oh, you know there was so much going on in one moment and um we all connected and it it it, it was just incredible 360,000 people in the audience and it was just a moment that I've never experienced since you know and in terms of like being on tour or back in vocal work that was definitely one of my most exciting moments um me personally um I would probably say um 2001, well, I was doing, I remember when I was about 16 and I started just going to loads of open mic um, nights and karaoke and just getting into performing in public. And I had performed at a little place in London, um, I think it was called Jamaica Blue, and I had met the secretary of one of um, the UK MPs. Her name, the MP's name is Diane Abbott. Mm -hmm. And her secretary, Deborah Vaughan, was at this open mic night. She said, there's something that I, I think I would like to invite you to sing at, can I tell you details and we'll be in touch. I said, all right, cool, fine. And then she contacted me and she said, can you come and sing at the House of Commons? That's like Parliament. Right, yes. <laughs> um, in the chambers for Diane Abbott's Black Women Mean Business Convention. She was hosting these conventions and a lot of the women that we know now that are like hosting shows and top authors and these kind of people now used to go to these meetings. She used to have people over from the US and people over from different parts of Europe, all different um, elements, um, but black women, so they could come and share their experiences. And they asked me to come and sing a cappella at this event. So I think that's probably my most um, surreal moment. Wow. For, yeah, was performing at the House of Commons at the Black Women Mean Business Convention for Diane Abbott. That was really cool. Yeah. That's amazing. Thank Amazing. you. It's a really nice experience. I was very, very blessed to, to have been invited. And yeah, wow. I don't remember much. I was just, <laughs> I <guess. laughs> I was just in a daze. <laughs> I want to talk about a little bit about family life and okay. transformation because you are a phenomenal woman. I've seen you oh, over the man. years go through a process, <laughs> not only physically, but I see the spark in your eyes right now how did you get to this point oh what <laughs> first and foremost first and foremost god first and foremost yes god. yes mother nature the universe secondly my family because when i didn't believe in myself mm -hmm. 
they believed in me wholeheartedly. You know, my, my grandmother, my family in, the, in Jamaica and all over the world, my aunts and uncles, my parents, my son, my unit. And then the other part was like dealing with self. Like I had to just, because um, you know, you've known me now, maybe 12 years. I, yeah. I, I have to look back on the YouTube videos to see what I sang at your, right. your one right now. Yeah. Many years, I think 2008, I think. And um, it's a journey. And I think I definitely, definitely lost myself somewhere along the way. And um, I had become a figment of who I wanted to be, a figment of who I was born to be and who I know I should be, I was not that person. Right. And so every day was a bit of a conflict within self and it just kept on increasing and increasing and increasing and increasing, you know, and I had to just stop and really, really, really take a good look at myself. I was a new mother as well, I think, and my son was probably about one or two at the time when I was at my lowest point. Mm -hmm. I just said, you know what? I'm a survivor and, and this ain't this ain't going in the right direction. And I right. just brutally honest with myself and start again and accept it's okay, it's okay, it's okay, it's okay to start again. We all derail, could derail 10 times a day in different areas of life, but it's just your um, perspective and saying, you know what, it ain't over yet. I ain't even started yet, you know? Right. And get yourself into that, um, that mental zone. So for me, um, I found myself, yeah, I was at my darkest moments. I was, I was really sort of depressed and I was a um, hundred pounds or probably at the time about 110, 115 pounds more than I am now in body weight. Um, and it just wasn't altogether where I wanted to be. So I started running. I started, I did something yes. that I, I said, I'm going to do this. I haven't done right. this for 15 years and I'm yes. going to do it now. I had to find something that was non-enjoyable to begin with and that I knew once I got to the other side, I would be in a really, like in a better place, in a, in a, in a positive place. And I knew it's something that I had to struggle to do. Right, so and, and that's important. It's, it is a struggle and I, and I wanna know like how, how did you, what made you get out of bed every day? I don't know if you did it in the morning, the evening, did you set a regi regime? You know, you know, how did you do this? What, it's so hard for people to do. You know, we all go through the ups and downs in life and we don't know what's next. There's so much uncertainty, but we know we're not in the place where we want to be. Yes. How do we get there? Okay, in my case, in your it case. was every single day had to be a slight improvement on the day before, okay? No, no rules to what that improvement was, but it had to be a slight and positive improvement in the right direction every day. Okay, so that's, the, that's your decision first to make. So I knew I had to start moving. I couldn't even walk up a flight of stairs. I wanted to be an international singer. The two weren't matching. So how was I gonna do this? So I said, I'm gonna start running. And thankfully where we live, it, there's a lot of space and lots of nature and that's a blessing because I'm a nature baby, I need to be in that environment. Mm -hmm. And then I started, basically I, had, I got up at like five, 5.30 or 6 o'clock in the morning, primarily not because I'm like, yeah, life is great, I'm up early. It's because I didn't want anybody to see me out there doing it. Mm, wow. In those days, wow. I didn't want anybody to see me doing it because I was embarrassed by um, having let myself go so much. So I used to train early in the morning because there's nobody out there. <laughs> right, right. Yes. That's how it started. It makes sense, and, yeah. And I just thought the first time I would um, 
just see how far I could go first. I hadn't run for 15 years. And it lasted 11 minutes. I was sick and I, my lungs were on fire for about two weeks after that. So I did that first run for 11 minutes and I didn't come back to it for two weeks. Then when I did the next time, it just went up. It went up 11, 11 and a half minutes. And it just bit by bit by bit by bit. And then I started seeing the results and I stayed on it and I started, um, I guess, becoming addicted to the results because I was liking, so I was basically tricking myself into believing in myself. Right. At the time I was addicted to the results, which is fine, you can hold on to that if the results are positive, yeah? But then after a while you have to start, you have to start believing in yourself. There's no, there's no two ways about it. Right. And um, so after about a year and a half of this, two years of this, um, a family friend of ours who runs the gym locally he said to me one afternoon, come down to the gym and see what you think. And I said, well, you know, if it's going to be full of like bikini clad ladies, I'm good. Um, that's not me. Right, yeah, <laughs> I'm yeah. still very insecure within myself. Sure. Uh, but I went along and it, was, it couldn't have been more opposite. It was, it was functional training. Everybody, all the guys and girls that went there were just on a mission to train or release release some pressures and you know everyone was in there training hard and collectively and I started going there as well so that alongside my running after yeah after about two years of running I started going to the gym but it's sporadic the the gym part has been on and off when I go I train hard and I love it I love the results but there's something about running that I always come back to because you are dealing with you Yes. You have to deal with you. Right, yes. You are controlling your mind. You can't, um, yes, it's, it's, it's amazing at the gym. I love functional training. It definitely did help. But when you're running, you have to deal with yourself. If you tell yourself, the moment you're, when you're running, the minute you start saying to yourself, I can't do it, you feel your body reacting and responding to what you're saying in your mind. And it really teaches you about just being consistent. And right. I don't know, Marcus, it's just- I like so, that, yeah. It's like a meditative state for me. Right. You know? And you also, you just said it. You just took the words out of my mouth. I was about to say that. It's a meditative state, but it's also, it's a chance for you to think. Like yes. you can think about anything you want to, how you're going to get the rest of your life together or whatever you need to do throughout the course of the day or whatever you need to do. It's a sort of like a peaceful, time and place while you're getting your physical self in shape at the same time so i i, I feel you on that one thank you yeah, like, yeah. Like, it's a sense of accomplishment at the beginning of the day as well mm -hmm. right like, if, you, if you if you can do anything anything you want like yoga stretches anything you want when you do it first thing in the morning you right. feel like you've achieved something for the rest of the day you exactly. set your minimum standard for the day so yeah <laughs> I love that. That's basically what happened. It was definitely wasn't like, yeah, guys, I'm gonna do this, and we're gonna be great. It was not that. It was not pretty. <laughs> I sweat buckets, all of it, but it was necessary, and I feel so good for it now. And I think when we came out of quarantine as well, um, you know, all the public establishments were were closed down. Right. Um, so the, the government over here said you could have an hour in the morning or an hour in the evening between set times to exercise. And that is literally where it started again for me. After us having been in quarantine, no freedom, no option to move. Right. It made me again appreciate life on another level. And so I'm going to start this thing up now and keep this going because um, a lot of people are responding as well. And, you know, it's, right, yeah. it's encouraging to see people inspired by it. Exactly.
And and once again, I, out of the quarantine came your new project, right? Yes. Which is called Love Code. This one is called Love Code, but I, I've actually released got- three albums in quarantine. Three albums. All right. <laughs> let's let's talk about it. Because okay. I, I've, I've been enjoying Love Code. Yeah. I can't even tell you just one track after the next. Like I could, it's one you listen through all from track number one to the end. That means so much, Marcus, coming from you. There's, man. there's a groove, there's a dance, there's, a, there's one that just caresses your mind and soul. It has everything. Thank you so I got, much. I have new favorites. I have new favorites. Yeah. yeah. Oh, man. Yep. Out of Control. I think that's number one. Nice. Music, music Rendezvous. I'm on it. Nice. Yeah. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, darling. So tell us a little bit about, tell us a little bit about them, you know. Okay. I'm going to be brief because I know I'm, I think it's, it's the combination of not having seen you for so long. Podcast, <laughs> 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 Charlie. Okay. So first album, Lockdown started mid-March for us. Um, I had released um, a couple of singles in 2018, uh, sorry, 2017, with the intention of getting an album together. That didn't happen at the time because I landed a tour and went off for two and a half years. So I decided to take those tracks, um, include a few new ones that I'd done, I'd made the beats to, but I'd never put voice to them, vocals to them or anything like that. And that first album was released on the 10th of April and it was called Online. And it comprises of two songs that I had previously recorded with my band that I used to be in. Um, but we had added some vocals and did some reproduction and mastering, some new songs and put them all together and that album formed Online. The second album, Quarantine Edition, uh, came out on the 12th of June. And that was that came from a project I started several years ago where I just decided to start creating some beats to see if I was any good at it. And my plan was to become a millionaire selling my beats Brilliant. online. I love this. this <laughs> I love this. You know me, Marcus. But you know what? My little brother's doing the same thing right now, yeah. making his own beats. He, I use some of his music on the podcast. But go ahead. Nice. Yeah, it's amazing. Nice. This is amazing. People just tell him to go, 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 go. There are no limits. If he no sees limits. that, he is going to do it, yep. period. And it's like what even one of my cousins in Canada, you know, he did the same thing to fund his way through school. And I didn't even know I had a musical cover. You know right. what I mean? See? So that was my plan. I'd made these beats. I was going to be a millionaire through selling my beats online. Didn't sell any. <laughs> I had all the files. <laughs> And I decided to make an album. I said, right, this is the new way of life. Um, it's deferred gratification. You can't put an, an album on a Monday and expect to see massive proceeds by the Friday. You can keep putting out music and promoting it in hopes that people will, will enjoy it. And um, so the second one, I decided to use the best of those beats, um, write to them, put the album together. And, and Dad... Um, my father's name is Errol Ross, and he produced an album in um, the 80s called The Selector. Well, put, the group were called The Selector, and the album was called Too Much Pressure. Wow. And it was the first of its kind. It was like the Jamaican sound in the UK, ska music. It was it's one of the most predominant um, and remembered albums in ska. And he achieved his gold and silver for his production on that, on that album. Wow. And so, um, shout out to dad. Yeah, shout out to dad, man. El Ross, he is, he's amazing. He really is amazing. 
And um, so I said, Dad, I want to do this thing. I want these beats to sound like a live band. I want it. To, I want to tap into all the vibes and energies that like we enjoy. Old school, new. He's old school, and I'm new school, and we're like a combination of the two. And that's really like it was like going back to that production that I had learned when I was fourteen and just reapplying it. So. I was like getting more into like sound engineering and dad would tell me certain things and I'd be getting on with it and then we'd be talking and discussing it and put that album out and it was nice. I was really happy with that. Um, the next project um, released on my birthday. Um, I'd written this song called Hurt before and put a vibe to it and it kind of came out as like a, a little carib, a little carib vibe. I said, dad, we need your vocals on this. <laughs> so that went out on my, it was like a, my, my, my birthday song, Hurt Before, and that's my dad and I on it together. And then the next release came out in, uh, on the 7th of August, a single called Sunshine, which I actually wrote when I was living in Newark, New Jersey. I was doing the same thing, but I was, connect- at the time it was um, MySpace, and I had connected with this producer on MySpace, um, my microphone was in a sh- on top of a shoebox. <laughs> yeah, I used to record when my, when my baby was asleep. I'd record newborn crying every 15 minutes. It was brilliant. That and is. I reconnected with um, Love Sound. He's a French producer. And I said, you know, would you like to um, do this again? And give it, you know, give it the real deal with the production and, and put it out there. So he was up for that. So then we formed a team here in Dead Night. And then the latest release here, was uh, Love Code. And the history behind that was that wasn't the album that was going to be coming out on, that came out on the 4th of September, Love Code. It was going to be another album. That's going to come later, but that project basically just just went into halt. You know, I know that um, COVID affected and the lockdown affected everybody in, a, in, in different ways. So it was a very non-fresh, I understood it when people couldn't, you know, deliver on time or whatnot, I, I completely get that. Right, so yeah. I just said, right, I've got 27 days to write an album because I want it out on the 4th. It was actually supposed to have been the 28th of August, but 4th of September, one week later. So I, connect, I connected with two people that I connected with before um, throughout the life. And one was Patrick. His production name is Hot Money, Hot Money Productions, and he's London-based. And he was, I was my dad's first student in 1995 to learn my MIDI basics production sound, sound engineering. And then my dad hooked up um, formally with, with a, um, what was it, like a, a big project they were doing in the UK and they were looking for trainers and my dad was involved in teaching music technology. And Patrick, Hot Money, was my dad's first student what used to, come, used to come to my house for lessons with my father. I only used to see him like you know when when my dad had lessons at home. Right, mum and I would scuffle up into the kitchen and be quiet. That's <laughs> and crazy. Was, yeah, so I'm he he and I are my dad's first students of music technology. These it, beats off of this Love Code album. It's just when, when incredible. I, yeah, he said, "Check out my stuff." I said, "Pat, you're crazy. I'm ready to do this." So wrote and recorded all the album in 27 days here at home. I love that. <clears throat> and, um, where, did, where, did the, where does the music come from for you? What, do you? what inspires you to write your songs? I mean, because I know there's a variety of different songs on Love Code, but 
What is, what does that mean? Purely life. Yeah. Purely life. Purely life. I mean, I've got this folder. I don't know if you can see it. But I, I went into this zone of writing in, mm -hmm. um, in 2000, well, started in 2013, but I really got into it. And I've got all these, I don't know if you can see it, I've got all these. Oh my gosh. All of these, yeah. The ones in plastic are whole albums that are to be done, but I've got all of these, there's 97 songs here. I just got into it. So at the time I couldn't do everything at once. I just wrote them, put them away, wrote them, put them away. And um, so I, I pull from there quite often. Like I'll, 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 be, I'll hear the Silk song and I, I know roughly what I want to do with it, but maybe something doesn't come straight away and I'll go to that folder and I'll see, even if it's just a line or a paragraph, which triggers off the whole song in some cases. But experience for me and my inspiration is always life. It's always life and things that I see every day and people that inspire me and something that I might just be thinking about when I'm running or, you know, it's always life. Right. It's, I love it's, it. it's the true essence of who we are. You know what I mean? Exactly. What do you see for the future of music? What do you see for your future? <sighs> I see no fear anymore. And Beautiful. I, um, I want to do this all the time. Like I love, Live performance is where my whole heart is. That's why I know I can touch people and interact with people and we, we will always have a vibe, whatever. It, it could be a wedding, it could be a birthday, it could be a right. concert hall. Live performance is my whole heart and soul. Um, but music and production and being able to record in this way from a very comfortable place and um, pushing yourself like pushing yourself like I knew you know when you know you've got 27 days to create something and it has to be something decent something that can be um, mm. absorbed by many different people like to incorporate as many different feelings and styles as possible right within that that general you know like say if R&B is the vibe I want to create as many like you were saying about uh, out of control I'm so glad you chose those thoughts right. because you're my baby <laughs> you know me man <laughs> <laughs> love, listen, you know? and they're completely different vibes. Yeah, they are. They are. as well. And that's what's incredible about you is because you are so many different things, and you are one powerful and phenomenal woman. And I love the transformation, and you've inspired so many people along the way. Thank you so much. I feel the same way about you. You've been doing this, Marcus. You. How I Thank met you. you. Yes, absolutely. You've Thank been you. doing this. You've inspired so many people on your journey. And how I met you, you was doing it. Your whole ethos is for people to get together and share talents and share gifts and vibes and oh, that's a bass player, that's a singer. I'm going to yep. connect with them. Community you're, connection. You're just amazing. Thank you. You're amazing, and you and so blessings to you too. And 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 like alongside that, you kept your performance level of art to the highest that it can be always you do great things and that's why you you're you're it's coming on you tenfold because you put so much good out into the world marcus you know what i mean well i thank you for the kind words and i appreciate it but you everybody first of all i want to thank you for taking the time out because i know we're in different time zones so thank you so much for coming on one mic night podcast please tell everybody how we can find you on social media and how we can thank get in you. touch Thank you so much. Yeah. Okay, um, on Instagram, which I'm very active on, um, you can find me at Carleen Graham Music. Also on Facebook by the same name, Carleen Graham Music. 
I'm on um, YouTube forward slash Carly Sings and you can see the whole band right through to present day on there and um, I'm on TikTok I have not listen I've just started i just started TikTok last month <laughs> <laughs> I feel Love like it. I feel like um I feel like I'm an old woman on there compared to the kids. That's all right. Just there. do so it. It's I'm, fun. I'm doing it's my little thing, thing and I've been sharing my music on there. So if you look for Good. Um, I'm definitely going to follow you on that for sure. Thank you so much. You're welcome. All, all of my music and everything is it's everywhere. Spotify, Apple Music, Amazon, Once again, thank you, Carleen, for coming on One Mike Night Podcast. Please, everyone listening all over the world, make sure you follow Carleen Graham on all the social media. Go to YouTube, Carleen Sings. Carleen Graham Sings? Carleen Sings. Carleen Sings. And check out the video. She's a phenomenal performer as well. Download the music. Share the music. Listen to the music. It's incredible. Thank you for joining me for this podcast. You can follow us at One Mike Knight. One Mike Knight is spelled O-N-E-M-I-C-N-I-T-E. And you can follow me at Marcos Luis Everything, M-A-R-C-O-S-L-U-I-S. Go to the dot com. You'll see all the links there. Please make sure you subscribe, leave comments, and share these episodes. I thank you all for joining me. Peace. We're out. Thank you so much, Marcos. Thank you.